And the Emmy goes to Saturday Night Live! And the Emmy goes to Kate McKinnon, Saturday Night Live! And the Emmy goes to Alec Baldwin for Saturday Night Live. Welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. With season 43 just around the corner, we thought it would be fun to take a look back at some of the SNL-related news that dropped over the summer. We'll be discussing SNL's Emmy wins, their full season of Coast to Coast Live broadcasts, and Baldwin staying on as Trump. I'm John Murray, and with me as always is comedy aficionado and all-around swell dude Steve Finn. And we're also joined this week by our youth and women's issues correspondent, Taylor Morgan. If you'd like to connect with any of us, you can do so at snlafterparty.fm. And if you're enjoying our podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, or rather, Apple Podcasts. Your subscription helps us grow, and your support is greatly appreciated. All right, let's just jump right in. We've got a little bit of late-breaking news that literally just dropped about an hour ago. Uh, Variety is reporting that we are getting two first-time hosts to round out SNL's October run. We are getting Wonder Woman herself, Gal Gadot, on October 7th with musical guest Sam Smith. And we are getting... Kumail Nanjiani on October 14th with musical guest Pink. All right, Taylor, how do we feel about this? Are we excited about these hosts? We are very excited about these hosts. Um, I'm very excited to see Gal Gadot host. I'm excited to see what they'll do with the Wonder Woman. I think it'd be really great material. So Mm -hmm. I'm excited to see what they do with it. Yep, they'll find some fun way into it, I'm sure. They're not going to avoid it. It's going to be too rife for comedy. I'm just hoping we don't see another Felicity Jones caliber episode with gal gadot because you know just like felicity jones she was a fantastic actress that was a little bit out of her element sure and made for a few awkward sketches and moments <laughs> throughout that episode yeah i think we touched on it a little bit when yeah. we talked about <laughs> just, it just a little bit just a little bit um gal gadot could fall victim to the same thing because sure. she is unproven it remains to be seen obviously i'm not rooting for her to fail but i'm going to be cautiously optimistic sure Uh, She does have a heavy, I think, Israeli accent, so that might limit some of the options for character work, but we'll see. We'll see. We can't presume anything. For as many times as we do get a Felicity Jones situation, we also get, you know, surprises from people that we wouldn't expect too much from that just really wow us. So only time will tell. Now, just before we move off this, for anyone who doesn't know who Kumail Nanjiani is, he's seen on Silicon Valley, the HBO tech show. But he also had a little labor of love indie comedy that dropped not too long ago called The Big Sick. And I just wanted to encourage everybody to go out and see that if they're not aware of it or haven't seen it yet, because it is a um, just a, a genuinely uh, like heartrending and endearing comedy drama. It has a lot of heart and there's a lot of good reasons to go see it. And I don't want to talk about the actual plot of it at all, because I think it'd be more fun for people to go in fresh without even knowing, you know, what it's about, but, uh, go see it. It's unique. It's charming. It's wonderful. And, uh, just a big round of applause for him and his wife for that project. Directed by Michael Showalter. Okay. Of uh wet, hot American summer fame. All right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Judd Apatow produced, I believe, uh, just a lot of good names in the mix on that one. Oh, you could just tell that Judd Apatow produced it. Yeah. It has that Apatow. (laughs) (laughs) 
sheen to it. Yeah, it's very Apatow-esque. Yeah, so yeah, good stuff coming from him, which sets the bar high. Like we know that he has comedy bonafide and that there's there's all sorts of reasons to expect great things from his episode. I, I hope he hope he brings the heat. Now, as of the time of our recording of this podcast, which is uh, Thursday, September 21st. There's still no official word from NBC regarding new cast hires, writer turnover, any production changes at the show. We are completely in the dark on it. Um, however, they go back to work on Monday. So, you know, if there is going to be any announcement, we will get it in the next few days. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to talk about it tonight. But in lieu of any hiring news, I want to consider a little bit of feedback from fan Boybetez. So they chimed in and asked Moynihan in a recent interview said he wished the current players could do their characters more which characters would you like to see the remaining players from last season be able to do more of any thoughts on that taylor most of the original characters that i was really interested in from last season were brought to the table by bobby and vanessa bayer who are both no longer (laughs) sure Nope. Uh, if you need a moment to, you know, to hold back the tears, no worries. Just wiping them away. Yeah. Yeah. We're not going to be getting Don Lazarus anytime soon. Uh, thoughts, Steve? Yeah. I guess what he's talking about is not having enough room with all the celebrity cameos. Right. No character comes to mind that I want to see more of. Maybe, uh, maybe that Bruce Chandling guy. I've always enjoyed him. You know, that cut for time sketch. I don't know if you've seen it, but. During one of the Louis C.K. episodes, they did a, a pre-tape featuring Bruce Chandling. Mm-hmm. That made me realize they could do a lot more with that character outside of just a weekend update bit. Sure. So that's something I would like to see explored, for example. Okay. Um, like you, Steve, I think, I think the obvious issue with last season, if, you know, if we want to consider an issue, is that they were leaning so heavily on celebrity and the show had an obvious focus on political issues that it didn't leave as much room for exploration and bringing new characters to the table. And it just wasn't their focus. It wasn't what the show was driving towards. So yeah, maybe we didn't get as much fresh new, uh, like recurring characters as we would get on other seasons. Um, maybe they will invest a little bit more heavily in the cast this year and give them a chance to bring some new stuff forward. If I was going to point to any, the only one that really comes to mind, and it's not even that I necessarily want to see him again. It's just that when I saw him the first time, it was such a perplexing, disturbing little sketch that, I would love another kind of ride like that is that uh, Beck Bennett candy, uh, candy man, candy striper, the whatever, whatever that sketch was where he's a little psychotic and he lost his job for pulling out a gun at work. And he's trying to win his coworkers back by being like a whimsical, charming, whatever character, that kind of stuff, that bizarre, fresh stuff I find really fun and I love it. So if they explore avenues like that, then I'll be, you know, I'll be lapping it up. I'll be loving it. So I, I don't know if we hit fanboy Batez, uh <laughs> feedback satisfactorily, but I, I guess that's, that's all we have to say on that. Um, he also wanted to know though, since we don't have any official word on new cast hires, what do we feel is missing from the current cast and what sort of players would we want to round things out? Um, yeah, I mostly want to see more diversity throughout the cast now that Sashir has left the show and um, they really are down to, including Melissa, it would be three people of color, correct? Four. Four. Michael and Keenan. Oh, yeah, Michael. Leslie and Melissa. Yes. Really good at what we do. <laughs> people want to see themselves represented on TV. They want to tune into something like Saturday Night Live and see themselves. Okay. Instead of the typical white cast. Okay. 
arguably it's a near all white audience. You could say, Mm -hmm. I'd say most of the audience is, you know, twenties, the forties, white males. Sure. There's going to be people of all walks of life watching the show, but I think they know what demographics they want to pander to the most. That's probably why we don't see as much diversity as we would like to. Sure. I invite them to challenge their white audience to enjoy (laughs) humor that may be derived of, of different cultures. I mean, look at black jeopardy from this last season. Sure. Mm -hmm. That's something that was universally relatable and was almost unifying in a weird sense. Actually, just, just to kind of build on that, they don't have enough black players in the cast right now to do black jeopardy this season. Just, just a thought like to kind of paint a picture of really why, the show might want to give some attention to rounding out their players. <laughs> uh, you, they just, there's certain topics or, or certain types of sketches that they just can't even pursue at this point. You know, we don't know, you know, if they actually have any new hires <laughs> that we're going to find out about that, you know, might make all this moot, but that's a, I think that's a really fair point that <laughs> the show limits itself. And then by extension, doesn't challenge its audience to explore new takes on comedy or new perspectives that very well could be very rewarding experiences if they don't attempt to try and, you know, round out the cast as much as they can. It does bring to mind uh, what Chris Rock said. His reason for leaving was Mm -hmm. according to his experience, he felt that he couldn't get anything onto air unless it was material specifically about being uh, a person of color. Sure. He couldn't just do general comedy as, as a black comedian. It had to be black comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't mean dark, you know. Yes. <laughs> we understand. We understand. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're following your line of reasoning here, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of context here. Yes. Yes. I don't mean Fargo. Yes. You know, he felt that moving to a show with a more urban voice, like in Living Color, allowed him to explore what he actually wanted to in sketch comedy. Sure. And I don't know if that's still the case. That was some years ago, but you could argue that people of color who are hired onto SNL struggle in that same way Mm -hmm. because you do see minority cast members leaving prematurely. Like Sashir is a a prime example of that. Yep. You know, it's, it's pretty safe to assume that it was out of frustration from lack of screen time. Uh, Yeah. I don't, I don't want to presume like it could just be a mutual parting. Maybe she had another project. You know, there's, I don't, I don't want to impose drama or controversy where there doesn't have to be any, but what is observable, at least with Sashir and, you know, in the last few seasons was she struggled to get material that was a good fit for her, right? The writing staff, they don't always uh, focus on the type of roles that she could thrive in. So even though she's an exceptionally talented woman, there just wasn't a whole lot for her, which then, you know, makes her seem less valuable to the show. And so there is, you know, there is a tragedy in that. I think we're all probably saying basically the same thing, which is it wouldn't be a bad idea for the show to reinvest in some players that can bring new perspective to the show. And if they can have the added bonus of bringing in fresh ethnicities that can give the show new direction, all the better. So uh, again, no official word on it, but if, uh, if they do well, good on them. So the Emmys happened and uh, SNL was mentioned once or twice. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. They kind of dominated this year. They were nominated 22 times. They won nine. 
they won best variety series. So they basically got the top accolade that they were in line for as well as uh, Kate McKinnon, Alec Baldwin, Melissa McCarthy, Dave Chappelle, all getting recognition in their respective acting categories. This was a sweep. So the big question then, and um, something that pretty and pink checked in and wanted us to discuss, do you feel that it was deserved? Do you think that SNL deserved what they got? Or do you think there was just maybe some cultural zeitgeist that gave them an unfair advantage this year? Was the show really worth nine Emmys? I think so. Yeah. As a personal opinion. I mean, yeah, obviously their situation and what society has been feeding them over the past year or two has been comedic gold, but they really are making the best out of what they have. Sure. I mean, there are various ways that they could have just driven it into the ground even further, just Mm -hmm. kept digging that grave, but they didn't. That's a good point. (laughs) They were definitely riding a wave, all of the Trump hysteria and just everything that's happened culturally the last year or so. They definitely capitalized on it, but they can't be penalized for it being a perfect fit for the show format just because they're the right vehicle to be able to speak to what's going on in the world. Doesn't mean that they're any less... Um, notable for handling it with aplomb. And I think that's what the Emmys were really saying this year was you guys just really came out and brought a lot to the conversation and really led the charge on dissenting views of, of Trump, like the comedic voice of, of dissension in the, in the country. And so they got a big attaboy for it and uh, I'm okay with it. I felt good about it. (laughs) I had no problem watching them sweep the Emmys. It's the first time I probably enjoyed watching the Emmys in a long time, actually. Yeah. Aside from what you could say about, the pointlessness of award shows and, <laughs> sure. and the vanity behind it. That's always what people say and whatever, just be happy for a show you like. And, you know, SNL is very deserving of it this year. I think Dave Chappelle was definitely deserving of his Emmy. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about it, it's, it's not just the fact that he showed up and he was a great host, but he brought, you know, writers with him that improved on it. And that doesn't always go well. You can, Look back to the last time Chris Rock hosted, and we got that tire fire of a sketch <laughs> uh, with Leslie Jones, where she just started <laughs> wandering around the set. Oh, yes. Not really knowing where she was supposed to be. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff that can go wrong when you bring external forces sure. onto the show. Yeah. But you you know, you know, bring in some, some pros like Dave Chappelle and Neil Brennan, and yeah, it just added to what was already a great setup for, for good television. Yeah. Dave Chappelle definitely helped realize the show's potential there in the wake of the election. So yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I would have, in all honesty, would have liked to see Cecily Strong nominated. Over Vanessa or over Leslie? <laughs> see, that's where I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> well, you open. Because I love them both so much, but. You, uh, you, you started it. You got to finish it. So uh, gun to your head. Who gets knocked off to make room for Cecily? <laughs> Who gets chopped? <laughs> this is so much pressure. I mean, like really, really thinking about it. I would probably chop Leslie. (laughs) I love her so, so much. But I feel like Cecily really pulled out a lot of like really big guns this season and she just didn't get any recognition for it. Sure. I I think that's exceptionally fair. Thank you. Often the Emmys, there's a bit of just popularity contest aspect to it. It isn't always who's most deserving. Sometimes it's just who do we really like right now? And there's a lot of good reasons to like Leslie. And I think that's probably all the nod was really saying, but one way or another, Kate took it and that was probably right as well. Um, So I don't think there's a whole lot of controversy there, but uh, we love Cecily. It's a shame that, yeah, she didn't, she didn't get a little title card there (laughs) at the Emmys. One more thing about the Emmys before we move on snails, lime and bee spit checked in and asked 
what do you think about the writers being snubbed when SNL swept all the other categories? So I think that's a, a pretty astute question because we've got Alec taking home a trophy. We got Kate taking home a trophy, um, Melissa McCarthy and Dave Chappelle, but someone had to write the words that they were saying. So do we feel like, you know, <laughs> there's uh, some, some controversy there? Yes. <laughs> okay. If I were on their team and I saw everyone, you know, I think this is like more of like a petty statement to be honest, but if I saw everyone else winning, I'd be like, Oh, like, you know, just take my award for the things I wrote. That's cool. No, but I, I honestly, I was, yeah. I mean, I was gutted about not seeing the SNL writers win anything. Cause I mean, it's everything relies on the writing. Sure. I think the other side to this is that SNL did win best variety series. Like they got the top nod for the category that they were eligible for. Right. Which is really a recognition of the show as a whole and is saying this whole production end to end was just magic and, you know, deserves praise. And the writers get to bask in that. They might not get individual trophies, but they at least get to know that they contributed to the the show. And for what it's worth, like I follow a lot of the writers on Twitter and try to, you know, keep tabs on the general happenings uh, around the 17th floor. And I got the impression that they were all just thrilled to be out in LA and just being part of it and just getting to celebrate with, you know, all of their, their friends at the show. And I didn't get the sense that any of them were too, you know, broken up that there wasn't any more specific accolades heaped on them individually. I think they just all love being a part of season 42 really realized that it was a special time to be associated with SNL. And uh, they probably had a lot of fun and just love that the show is getting a lot of recognition on the whole. I don't think there's much, you know, weeping or despair <laughs> among the SNL writers right now. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Uh, I, I think, you know, all's well snails, lime and B spit. I think the writers are going to pull through now Saturday night live will continue to be broadcast in all four time zones live throughout season 43. Uh, is there really anything to discuss here? We saw them do the last four episodes of season 42 live coast to coast. And uh, even though I, I think it probably helped their numbers and, and it's probably nice for the people on the West coast. Is this, is this a big deal? Um, I think it's a big deal for the people on the West coast. Absolutely. Okay. You know, they get to, they get to watch it. They get to have fun. But uh, as someone who has been watching it live since I have been watching it, it's not really a big deal to me. No. Okay. <laughs> doesn't affect you. No, it doesn't. It's inconsequential to us, but you touch on the important point here, which is the West coast now gets to be part of the event. There's not going to be spoilers leaked online or screen grabs or whatever floating through Twitter. That's going to be ruining the fun for the West coast. They get to be a part of it. So yeah, there is a benefit there. The thrill of watching live television is knowing that, somewhere else in the world that is going on as you're seeing it on your TV. Sure. You know, SNL part of that on the edge of your seat feeling you get is because you know that anything could happen. Anything could go wrong. Mm -hmm. That's uh, not as much of a, of an issue with the West coast feed. And I can use that same example again uh, with that Chris rock episode, the West coast viewers didn't know that sketch went so wrong. Sure. Yeah, they, they spliced in the dress version, right? Right. Yeah. So they don't have that luxury anymore. <laughs> they get warts and all, just like we get. You know, the unpolished, yes. you know, as it falls out of the screen, that's what they're getting. And that's part of the show. And we love the show. We want everything, you know, that comes with it, yeah. good and bad. It's, it's all about the experience, right? The only thing I was concerned about, 
and I think I mentioned this before on a previous cast, but I was kind of afraid that the fact that it would be on so early in the West Coast would mean that they would not be able to be as risque, if sure. you will. Yep. And then the rock episode happened and they did a sketch about child molesting robots. So (laughs) I don't think it's that much of an issue. Sure. Uh, That kind of put all my concerns to bed right there. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Now the only, the only other angle to that might be that when standards and practices is told, we just want to do this special kind of like one time limited run live SNL coast to coast maybe the sensors will kind of pull back and be a little more lenient because they know it's just kind of a special thing now that they're doing it indefinitely, or at least, you know, committing to a whole season, the standards and practices very well may impose a bit more on the show. So we, we might actually see some of that. If we get any hint of that, when we're watching the show, we should definitely talk about it. Cause if they do have to water down the show to make it a little more family friendly in the interest of getting it on the West coast. And I say, screw the West coast, uh, you know, just put it back to the way it was. Don't, don't mess with the formula, uh, late night TV. It's supposed to be able to push a little bit further and anything that kind of takes the teeth out of SNL probably isn't going to help the show. And I wouldn't want to see that. So I don't assume that's going to happen, but I would really be sad if that was the case. Let's just take it away from the West coast altogether. Yeah. No more Saturday night live for California. Yeah. Keep your Emmys. all right so moving on baldwin is definitely confirmed for the season 43 premiere how do we feel about alec reprising his emmy winning trump impression is this a bald lose or a bald win (laughs) okay taylor how do you feel about that (laughs) well i felt fine until i heard that pun (laughs) (laughs) i think he's perfected his craft he knows what he's doing he's just Stick to what you're good at, you know, and Saturday Night Live is good at Baldwin's Trump. And I think that they should just keep going with it. All right. That's a hot take. Steve, thoughts? The thing is, if we were to shake it up now and maybe give that to a cast member, it would be untested. Mm -hmm. So that's always going to be a risk if you're going to change it up. Yeah. So to play it safe and to use what's already working is probably, you know, the best idea. Maybe that's what they're thinking. I personally feel like I don't necessarily want to see Alec in the role for all of Trump's administration. <laughs> that's, that's my personal feeling. I think the show should at least be working towards finding a new Trump and then figuring out the right way to tackle it when, the, when they actually get the right talent locked down. Well, maybe they're counting on Trump to not be around much longer. <laughs> I mean, all these celebrity cameos worked out so well because yeah. <laughs> people drop like flies in this administration. It's like Friday the 13th. And everybody's a black character. This guy just can't hold on to anybody. So the fact that they're using celebrities or, you know, non-cast members, if you will. Right. It seems to be working out for how long they end up, you know, sticking around. So maybe, maybe halfway through the season, Trump finally flies off to Mar-a-Lago forever. But yeah, it's, uh, the only reason people are getting sick of this is because he's not a cast member. Sure. Like no one ever said, I'm sick of Chevy Chase's Daryl Ford. Let's switch it up. Right. It's just because they, they want someone in the cast to do it. And maybe that's not a good enough reason to, to rock the boat. I think your argument has some merit, (laughs) you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And who are you going to find that's better than Alec Baldwin? I mean, they do exist, but you get the star power wrapped up with it. You get the event of when he shows up for the cold open, right? Like, he makes the show special when he shows up because he's not a cast member and they'd be losing a lot of that cachet if they migrated the Trump character. So yeah, this very well could be a, look, the guy got an Emmy for doing this. 
why are we going to try and reinvent it at this point? Like you said, Steve, maybe we'll just wait out the administration, see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, I, you know what, Steve, I think you won me over. I think that's probably the smarter assessment of the situation. Okay. We got a, a few more feedback items that we're going to tackle before we call it a night here. So Lila2398 checked in and asked SNL staff writer Julio Torres has been getting some good exposure on the tonight show over the summer. This has led to speculation that he might be promoted to featured player or maybe show up on weekend update. What do we think of Julio and his prospects for season 43? Yeah, I'm a big fan of Julio personally um, from following his Instagram and stuff like that. I think he's a very unique person and his writing is very unique and uh, he really brings something fresh to Saturday Night Live and something completely different and unexpected, like not what you're thinking is going to happen. Sure. And then he just goes in a completely different direction and everything is like colorful and fun like i think he's i think he's fun and i think he would be great to have on the show either as a featured player or a weekend update guest sure yeah like a john mulaney or something sure that's kind of a good example of where a writer might have their own particular voice or their own particular persona that has a place on the show um and sometimes the update desk is the best place to to actually showcase it um, because not every writer is also going to be a great fit as a well-rounded sort of like performer actor type of player. Well, that's how Leslie snuck onto the show. That's true. Yeah. yeah. She got some time on update and then made such a splash <laughs> at a time when the show was getting a lot of criticism about not having more female black players. So there's, there's a lot of angles to that, but you're right. The, the show has made room for writers in the past when they can bring something to the screen. Yeah. Some of our best cast members. Started as writers. We got, you know, Jason Sudeikis, Chevy Chase, Tita Fey, uh, Tim Robinson. <laughs> All the greats. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it's very true. It's very true. There's no reason why, why that conversation couldn't happen at SNL. Like, is there a place for Julio on screen? My thinking on it is just seeing kind of his persona and his stand up and just how he carries himself. I don't think I would want to see him as a full-fledged featured player just simply because I doubt he would be a very versatile, well-rounded like character actor. And I think that's probably what the cast needs right now. Losing Bobby and Vanessa, I think really good performers would be important. And I don't see him playing that role. But like Taylor mentioned, he has the most unique comedic voice and just really interesting, bizarre, off-the-wall kind of thinking that he's able to infuse into his sketches that... Uh, he's, he's such a talent and, and such a, a fresh part of the writer's room that if there's absolutely anything that they can get him on air for, they should definitely try and do it. I, I would see him being sort of like an Al Franken where maybe he has one special character or a sketch vehicle that he can use kind of like Stuart Smalley or something like that, where it's, you know, the Julio show or whatever. And he can just really be what he is, right? Like bring that magic of being Julio to the screen. Uh, I just, I don't need to see him in a Trump cold open or something. That's, I guess that's all I'm really saying is I think there's a place. I just don't know what it is because he's so unique. Uh, but if they figure it out, if they crack that great, it'll bring another fresh bit of comedy to season 43. If they can figure out how to work him in. And I would love to see it. You can really say the same thing about Pete Davidson, right? Cause I mean, He's even said it himself that he's not like a character actor. He like he does his stand up in himself. He is his own character. Sure. And that's what they really focus on on Weekend Update too. Yeah. 
Yeah. I can see that, but Pete has a more conventional look and a more conventional way of carrying himself that even if he's not a seasoned sketch performer, he can still be woven into sketches. He can be in the background or he can be a bit player. He can even lead some sketches that call for just, you know, a youthful kind of character. He has a place there, but we've all seen what, you know, Julio's stand up and his persona is. He is a, in his own words, he is a self-described space twink, right? Like that's, yeah, yeah. that's, that's the starting point with Julio. He is. Yeah. How many sketches on a week to week basis do you see Julio actually being able to be woven into just as a player? Right. I don't see that being his path with the show. Right. I want to see that, you know, his persona in a vehicle that works for him. And just let it be its own little quizzical little outing in its own, in its own reality, in its own world, its own, its own dimension. Yeah. 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 It's not like SNL only has a place for, you know, the Bill haters and the Christian wigs. True. Mm-hmm. But you also can't oversaturate your cast with stand up exactly. personas. Yeah. We, we have a Pete Davidson. We have a Leslie Jones. We can't just fill the cast and turn SNL into last comic standing. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So let's find a spot for him that works, but let's make sure that we have some good heavyweights too, that can make the, the sketch comedy aspects of the show as strong as they can be. Um, Julio always good for conversation before we move off Julio. I just want to encourage people check out his Twitter account. Cause if you want just a, a daily infusion of delightfully quirky things <laughs> to ponder on his Twitter account is fantastic. Every day I get a laugh from the the stuff that he drops on it. Um, now here's a long shot prediction. Snuggles. Matt Damon has checked in and they ask, will the home base stage be finally updated? I can only make an educated guess on what they're planning to do. If you look at the trend of how often they change the set, we are due for a new set. Sure. Based on, you know, the years in between yeah. uh, these changes. Keep in mind, however, we just watched a couple of uh, Weekend Update Summer Edition episodes. And, you know, for the goodbyes of all of those, they took away the Weekend Update backdrop and showed that very same, you know, Studio 8H set that we're already used to. Yeah, the Grand Central Station facade. Of course, yes. Right. Now, it's very much possible that there's a new set waiting in the background to to have that struck down and, and the new one brought up. I mean... They did have about a month in between, so it's not impossible, but if I were to use the evidence before me, I would guess that we're getting at least another year of the, uh, of, yeah, the, the train station set. Okay. I personally don't like change, and I, <laughs> I don't think I was uh, really able to watch Saturday Night Live when it had the previous stage, besides this one mm-hmm. that they currently have. And I don't think I'd like to see it go just yet. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right, so we tapped into some some odd uh, emotional issues there. Uh, let's just <laughs> gloss right over that. <laughs> Save it for group. Yeah, to knock that down, there is a little bit of uh, like behind the scenes stuff starting to trickle out about what's going on over at 8H. So there have been some recent photos that would strongly indicate that the set from last season is still intact. So uh, Snuggles Matt Damon, fun speculation. Don't think it's happening this season, but who knows? We'll find out next week. Now, before we go, I just wanted to jump back to our season 42 
postseason extravaganza because Steve and I participated in that cast. And I think if we're being honest, we'd have to admit that that was a bit of a sausage fest. We didn't have a whole lot of female perspective on the season as a whole. And so since we have Taylor up tonight, I thought it would be fun just to run through our season recap questions with her and just get her final word on season 42. And then we can officially put a well-rounded bookend on it uh, before we jump into season 43. So Taylor, what was your season 42 best moment? Best moment would be um, Kate McKinnon's performance at the piano of Hallelujah. Sure. For sure. The raw emotion that she really tapped into was something that a lot of people needed to see at that time. Okay. And um, it was a nice way to sort of wrap up the Hillary character. Sure. Yeah. No, I think that's that's fair. Obviously, that was a big seminal moment and important enough that they even felt like they wanted to goof on it for the finale just to kind of, yes, <laughs> you know, uh, walk us back and show kind of how much ground they covered for the season. So, yeah, that was definitely a big moment. Best pre-tape sketch of season 42. Um, best pre-tape sketch would probably be the uh, Pepsi commercial mm-hmm. Kendall Jenner spoof yeah. with Cecily Strong and Beck Bennett. That was a good one. Uh, Steve, I think you gave that high marks, too. You're right. I did give it high praise. It's just a great example of what the crew of Saturday Night Live can do in a pinch. Sure. You know, having watched that commercial and comparing it to all of the elements they recreated Mm -hmm. for that sketch, it's almost like they showed up with cameras and started shooting alongside, (laughs) you know, the actual shooting of the real commercial. Like that that Asian guy with the cello and (laughs) and so many other elements were just pitch perfect. And that's that's the beauty of it. That commercial was so tone deaf and borderline <laughs> offensive that you just had to show it the way it was and draw attention to it. And it, it generates its own laughs almost. Sure. Yeah. That's a solid pick. Best live sketch. Um, I'm probably going to go with the first Sean Spicer live sketch okay. with Melissa McCarthy yep. on the Kristen Stewart episode, just because it was really like a catalyst for just really exposing the ridiculousness of the whole situation and him as a person. Sure. Uh, obviously it took the nation by storm. I'm, there's no argument. You know, there was just a lot of positive fallout for the show that came from that sketch. So yeah. High marks. Yeah. MVP. My MVP is going to Kate McKinnon, okay. which shouldn't be much of a surprise, mm-hmm. but um, her Emmy speaks for itself. I mean, she just nailed this season. Mm-hmm. Yep. And she did. She brought her best to everything. It, I can't point to a single thing other than maybe, a solitary Justin Bieber impression that I wasn't impressed with. I think that was like the only thing that comes to mind that maybe wasn't, you know, top notch Kate McKinnon, but she's right. Yeah. She's, she's a star and she owns the show and it was a challenging season that I think she handled with aplomb. Yeah. So the big question on a scale of classic, great, decent week or train wreck, how would you rate season 42? It's a classic. Mm-hmm. Like I said before, the Emmys, they speak for themselves. I mean, the cast just, really blew everyone out of the water, I think. Yep. And in each in their individual own ways too. I think the cast, the way they worked with the writers, the directors, everyone just really came together and said, yeah, we got to, we got to kick this Trump thing in the butt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the show was definitely firing end to end. There was, uh, well, they won a bunch of Emmys for technical merits as well. So mm-hmm. there's recognition there for the entire production. And you're absolutely right. If there's a season to point to where SNL was just a, a force to be reckoned with, this was probably it. So no controversy there. Uh, Your female perspective really didn't add a whole lot to the conversation, but we appreciate it nonetheless. (laughs) Thank you. So I think that's our official bookend on season 42 and that's a cast. 
Thanks as always to Steve Finn and also to our youth and women's issues correspondent, Taylor Morgan. If you're enjoying our podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Our patrons get early, ad-free access to each new podcast episode, as well as many other exclusive member rewards. You can learn more about all the ways you can support the cast at snlafterparty.fm. We'll be back soon when SNL returns for its 43rd season premiere with host Ryan Gosling and musical guest Jay-Z. This has been episode number 28 of the Saturday Night Live After Party podcast. I'm John Murray. Good night and have a pleasant tomorrow. I remember uh, the first time we won this award. Uh, It was after our first season in 1976. And I remember thinking as I was standing there alone um, that, that this was it. This was the high point. There would never be another season as crazy, as unpredictable, as frightening, as exhausting, or as exhilarating. Turns out I was wrong. Thank you.